Hello and welcome to the Monroe Method Clancast. I am Jason Monroe and this is episode 45. I posted a thing inside Clan Monroe this week. This It was a little picture that says, I need to be more and the more was crossed out and it had less next to it. Strict. Something that I see that comes up a lot uh, in, in members' check-ins is, so like, we have a set check-in template with the questions and there's one near the bottom that says, uh, what, what's not going particularly, you know, what's going well, what's not. Then there's one about state your intentions or how can I improve on this for next time? Words to that effect, I've changed it recently. But it's words to those effect, right? It's like, you know, what can we do for next time? I, I need to be more strict. So that will come from someone who's doing something that they can't quite understand. Why do I keep doing this thing? Um, and they think that the way they are going to improve that or change that is by being more strict with themselves. Now, that will sound perfectly normal to, to probably most of you listening to this until I start to pick it apart and ruin it for you. If it was, if you, if, if, if eating and drinking and managing our diet and eating a healthy balanced diet and all the rest of it, was just about our ability to be strict, then you're essentially depending on yourself to be able to, you're depending on willpower, basically, right? You're, you know, how are you going to eat better? Well, I'm just going to force myself to do it. That's not a strategy. That is not a long-term solution. If it was as simple as just choosing to do it, then you would already be doing it. One of the things with restriction is that it's the problem. Like, it's not the solution. Being more strict, being more restrictive, holding yourself back, that's the wrong way to do things. Just got a touch of deja vu then. I've probably touched on this in another episode, but... Oh, I did. So in the episode where we talk about choosing versus restriction, so... The restrictive approach is where we want to do various things when it comes to eating and drinking and the way we manage that is to hold ourselves back. Again, that's dependent on willpower. Here are all the things that I want to do. I know that that's probably not good for me or the quantities are too big or the balance isn't great. So in order to change that, I am going to hold myself back. I am going to step in and stop myself from doing what I want to do. That's basically what willpower is, right? And it's it's your and willpower is not a thing. We'll talk about that another day. Um, you are then dependent on you. Everything you do is dependent on your constant intervention. It's like it's like your lungs. I don't know if it's if it's still it doesn't work as an adult, does it? Let me do it. No, it doesn't work as an adult. Do you remember when you were a kid? And you would become aware of your breath. And all of a sudden, because you were aware of what your lungs were doing, you've just taken on the responsibility of keeping your lungs going. Fuck me, that was terrifying. You know, you would think about breathing for a minute and you go, oh my God, now, now I need to do this. And you're physically having to do the breath thing until you look up at the TV and you get distracted again and you forget all about it. So... That's what kind of depending on willpower is like. It's like, okay, I need to be constantly 
on edge, constantly aware, constantly vigilant. Where did I hear that? I think that was a Navy term, constant vigilance. I'm sure that got drummed into us. Constant vigilance. Um, and and you've, you've always got to be the one stepping in and intervening because by default, you want to go to that cupboard and eat that thing. By default, you want to eat a handful of the cheese that you've just grated, although who doesn't do that? Only normal people do that. Anyone that can grate cheese without eating it, you're a liar. Send me a DM. If you are someone that can grate cheese without eating it, I want to hear from you. I don't expect to hear from anyone. Um, So yeah, we have default settings where we will do what we're going to do. We are going to walk back to the kitchen counter with the kids' plate and we're going to eat a few chips in that last fish finger. We're going to open a cupboard or open the fridge and eat that slice of ham or put our hand into that jar, whatever it is. The way to change those is not to force yourself not to do it, right? It's like, oh, here's me doing this thing. I need to remember that I now need to step in and stop my subconscious brain from doing this thing. Like, What kind of life is that to live? How long is that going to last for? Like I said, like this, this is not a strategy. And being more strict with yourself is not a solution to anything. Like the you, God, this is I'm not using the right terms here. The level of strictness that you place yourself under is the problem, right? Being restrictive is the problem. Not you know, living a life of can'ts, shouldn'ts, not alloweds, better nots. That's the problem. I've spoken about my client before, one of my private clients, who thought she had issues with chocolate. And she tried to manage her chocolate intake through restriction by not keeping it in the house. I can't be the person I am around chocolate if I don't have any chocolate to be that person around. That's the thought process. It's the acceptance that I'm a crazy person around chocolate, so I need to keep it away from me, and that's it. But the reality is, the keeping it away part is the reason they act like a crazy person around chocolate. I've not had any chocolate in the house for two weeks. I'm going to the... This is me pretending to be someone else, not me. I'm going to the supermarket. I'm in a really good mood today. I've not had chocolate in a while. I think I could have quite a good experience with it, so I'm... Not just going to buy an individual bar of dairy milk. Let's go with the family-sized bar. It's never just a single bar, is it? Why buy one at 85 pence when you can buy a big one for a pound or a multi-pack for a pound? Uh, So you take it home and now your chocolate-free haven is no longer a chocolate-free haven. There is a big sharing bar of dairy milk in the drawer. And you can't stop thinking about it. And you don't know what to do about it because you don't keep it in the house. So you don't know how to live with it in the house. You don't know how to behave around it. You don't know how to act. You don't even know how to eat it and enjoy it. Because what happens next is you spend the next however long battling with it, can't stop thinking about it, until the point where you can't take it anymore. You can no longer be strict. You can no longer be the the shield the barrier between you and eating chocolate you're not 
you're mentally exhausted. You can't, you know, you've run out of energy to keep stepping in and holding yourself back. And it happens. So you go and you get the bar of chocolate. And you do not just take a square. You don't just take three squares. You don't just break an end off it. I mean, you do to begin with. But you eat that very quickly because this is bad. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm not allowed to do this. I can't, etc. And you've had the first bit and it tastes great. But it's also so bad because you shouldn't be doing this. I know I'll just have another bit. And if I just eat it all, then it'll all be gone and I can get back to my chocolate chocolate free haven. The issue here is not that the person, in fact my client, her issue was not that she acted like this around chocolate. That wasn't the problem. That was the outcome of the problem. The problem was she convinced herself that she could not control herself around chocolate which she believed to be true because here she is at the kitchen drawer destroying a family-sized bar of chocolate in five minutes. But she was unable to see that, number one, the belief that she held was a problem. Like if you say you are like, no, let's do that in another episode. Wait until I write that down. I'm not telling you what it is. And no, I can't. I'm, <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 If you say you are something, then you will be that something, right? If you describe yourself as a chocoholic, then you'll be a chocoholic. You will be what you believe you are. And that's what she believed she was. Oh my God, I love chocolate so much. I just can't get enough of it. I can't stop eating it. Like, No, you can't get enough of it because you don't give yourself enough of it. And when you do give yourself some, you go bananas. So what did we do with her? Well, we started eating chocolate every single day. It wasn't a case, you know, here's how it starts, right? You go to the supermarket with chocolate written on your shopping list. You do not go and play it by ear. You do not go and see how you feel and have that be the deciding factor. You, when you are writing your shopping list, you put chocolate on there because then you are buying it with intent. And if you're buying it with intent, then you're buying it with the intention of eating it. It is not waiting to see what mood I'm in in the supermarket to buy it, because that will not be the mood you're in when you're home. So you're you're already establishing that this is a decision that you're going to make, and you're doing it with intent and purpose. And you go to the supermarket and you buy the chocolate, but you do not buy the family-sized bar, because you wrote down on your shopping list, one dairy milk or a multi-pack of dairy milks, whatever. And you bring it home and there are five in this packet and you are going to have one every single day. And when you have that chocolate, you do not stand in the kitchen at a drawer and eating it. That's also a topic for another day. Standing and eating was a bit of a revelation I had this past week. But you do not stand and eat it. Don't ever stand and eat stuff. We'll talk about that in another episode. You do not stand and eat You take it and you sit down with it, with a cup of tea or whatever, however you like to enjoy chocolate. And you sit down at the table and you break off one piece and you eat it and you enjoy it and you put the chocolate down in between and you take a sip of your tea and you savour each bit and you continue to remind yourself that this is delicious and it's amazing and I am absolutely loving this experience and I am really looking forward to doing the exact same thing tomorrow and every day after that. 
Here's an example I used with... Um, so I spoke about this in the group recently. Here's an example I used when it comes to novelty. I went to the caravan to Craig Tara before the summer holidays because we knew we were getting a puppy. We weren't going to be able to go anywhere for any length of time. And that was the, the decision we made this summer, right? We asked the kids, do you want to go on holiday this year or shall we make this the year that we get another puppy? And they said puppy. Of course they did. And I explained, look, that means we're going to be tied to the house for the summer. As long as you're fine with that. Yep, we're happy with that. Awesome. So before the summer holidays, the last week of school, we went to Craig Tara for a few days. And I went to the beach every single day because I do not live next to a beach. I cannot drive five minutes or walk even and be on a seafront. I live in the centre of Scotland, in Falkirk. Um, so it's a bit of a drive to get to a proper beach. But because I was at this caravan and I was overlooking the beach, 10 minute walk, I, I made a nice big circuit walk to go out every morning and I went back out every night. I spent as much time as I could down the beach, not playing at the beach making sandcastles, but just there, walking along it, going for a walk, getting my feet in the sea, because I don't get to do it very much. And I will bet there are people who live, you might be one of them, who lives next to a beach. Tell me the last time you went to that beach. Was it this year? Was it last year? It doesn't hold the same novelty for you, right? You wake up every single day and you live in that place. You look at that sea. You look at that beach. You can't be arsed going to the beach because you'll get sand in your shoes. Why would you want to get sand in your shoes? Whereas me loves that because I don't get that. And that's this that's the same place that we can get to when it comes to, to chocolate or anything. Anything that's a trouble food. Anything that you feel like you have to restrict in order to be able to control. If any form of restriction is the only way that you can manage your eating behaviours, then you're doing the wrong thing, first of all, right? I know you don't have anything else to do. I know you don't have any other ideas. I know that it's all you know. I'm just telling you that it's the wrong thing to do. The right thing, well, it kind of comes back to what we spoke about in the last episode about understanding why you act like this about chocolate. No, sorry, analysing why you act like this, understanding it and implementing something like I did with with this client where she now has chocolate every single day and she enjoys it and she knows she can have some the next day. She has. We've been working together for almost 13 months and she has never had a single issue with chocolate. That's a lie. She had one right at the very beginning. Um, our, our partner uh, had been overseas and had come home and stopped and bought one of those, you know, those massive Toblerones you get at the airport. He brought her one of them home. And that, I think that was the first and only time the problems she had with chocolate happened while we're working together and the stuff that we started implementing. I'm not going to say it's going to happen for you overnight in the same way that it did for her, but what I've spoken about here, removing the restrictions and all the rest of it, that's what helped her and that's what changed everything for her. So, if you are someone that is managing the way that you eat through restriction, where you only allow yourself to eat certain things at certain times, 
or you were only allowed to have certain meals on certain days, or you have to create reward situations so that you've earned the right to eat a certain food, or you've got this very disordered list of foods you call treat foods, where you think that you can't just choose to have these things, they have to be a treat. And if something has to be a treat, then it has to be attached to a treat situation. It's Friday night. It's the weekend. It's sunny today. I'll treat myself to, I don't know, a gin. Um, I've had a tough week. The kids have been hard work. I'll treat myself. Don't use the word treat around food. It's one of the, uh, there are people I work with where the word treat causes all their problems around food. Um, try to get out of the habit of using it. But anyway, if these are the ways that you manage your eating, then you have disordered eating. Where you're not making decisions based on what you want to do. You're making decisions based on whether or not you think you're allowed to do something because you've created this world where I can only have pizza on Fridays or I can only have a takeaway on Saturdays or I can only have chocolate with a cup of tea at eight o'clock at night because if I had it during the day, I would just eat it all day and that's nonsense. That's not how it works at all. And this, you know, like me saying, God, if I move to some, if I move to the coast, I'd be at the beach every day. I can't move to the coast. I'd never be away from the beach. That's fucking stupid, isn't it? I'd get sick of it. The novelty wears off. When we restrict things, we food t- takes on a life of its own. We put it on a pedestal. And when we, when we start to treat <laughs> certain foods differently, that's when we start to act differently around them. When was the last time you had a weekend apple binge? When was the last time you had to stop buying tomatoes because you simply can't have tomatoes in the house because all you'll do is just eat them all. Never. You're probably laughing while you hear me saying that because it sounds preposterous. I don't know why that word popped into my head, but it sounds ridiculous, right? Nobody's sitting smashing bags of apples. Nobody's sitting smashing punnets of tomatoes. For no reason other than we don't think of them like that. We don't treat them like that. We don't assign labels to them. We don't treat them any differently. We don't keep them out of the house. Fuck, how much fruit and veg do you throw out every week because it goes off? Nobody's throwing out bars of chocolate, bags of Haribos, packets of biscuits, well, maybe. Um, So yeah, restriction is the problem, not the solution. Now, I am not suggesting that you suddenly go and start buying all these problem foods and start eating them because... It might work out, it might not. But I'm just telling you how with with the right support and guidance and having someone to check in with and talk to and like, okay, so I've introduced this to my diet, here's how it's going. Awesome, that sounds great. That can be really helpful. Um, you can do it on your own if you've got the confidence to do it, go for it. But as ever, if these are the things that you need help with, you know where I am. And I think that's all we need to talk about for today. Until next time.